On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the study of the tabernacle. Today's message is from Wednesday, April 25th, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. If you have your Bibles tonight, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 30. The book of Exodus chapter 30. Thank you, my friend. So good to be with you. Amen? Amen. Can you hear me, Anthony? Hear me okay? Is it good? All right. You look good tonight. Look to your neighbor and tell them they look good in church. They would have stayed home. They would not look good since they're at church. They look good. Amen. It is good to be back with you. I spent two days in mission meetings in Cleveland, Tennessee, where we have an opportunity to take people to unreached people groups. We're praying now for the city that they will assign us or that we feel led to. But was with some great missionaries the past two days, people who are on the ground in places like Prague and Amsterdam, places where... Uh, Christians are less than 1% in the country. Nobody's having church like this, so to speak, on every street corner. We're blessed tonight. Amen? But you know what? We're called to go out and shine light in the dark places. So we can't get complacent. So begin to pray that they will place us or we'll be led to the right city because we just don't want to send money. We want to send people. We want to train pastors and train leaders for the glory of God. Exodus chapter 30, verse 1 tonight. I will put you on notice that I am excited about this lesson. And I've got to find a way the next 33 minutes to get to where I want to get to. And if that's possible, I need God's help to get there. Amen? But sometimes God will reveal something to you in Scripture that you've not seen. And I want to get us back to Hebrews 9. And I want to show you, just to kind of put you on notice, that we know that there's three pieces of furniture in the holy place. But yet in Hebrews 9, it lists two pieces of furniture in the holy place. And it seems like one of the three pieces now is not in the holy place, but the most holy place. Either the Bible has missed something or something is not right there, or there's a hidden truth that happens that God's trying to reveal to us. And I believe God is trying to show us something tonight because once the veil is torn in half, how many of you know that we can have direct access to God? Amen? Yeah. So we're going to deal with that tonight. Let's go to Exodus 30 and 1. Uh, Joey's got his work. Him and Tiffany cut out for them tonight. I'm going to move around a little bit. Nikki uh, helps them as well, but to put you on notice, she had to have an emergency surgery. Uh, she is doing well. They had to remove her appendix. So if you want to contact her, let her know that we miss her. I took one of her students, Ashton, by today, and he prayed with her, and she's doing much better. Amen? Let's go to the Word. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of out of kale wood. Father, tonight, I've come to teach your Word. Something happens as we're moving closer to the most holy place. This series on the tabernacle was designed for two things. To take a journey that we can learn more about Jesus Christ, His work of redemption and reconciliation, and also to show the people of God that from the book of Genesis... You have desired to have fellowship with us. And every obstacle that's been in the way, you have removed it. That we could come boldly, not with arrogance, but with humility, and declare, God, if it had not been for you on my side, where would I be? So tonight, help me, Lord, to get to this place where the people of God will hear your word and be changed. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight we move to the third piece of furniture. If 
you're visiting with us, we've been teaching on the tabernacle of the Old Testament, how it foreshadows Christ of the New Testament. Tonight, we're at the altar of incense. We're moving east to west. Three tribes on each side of the tabernacle. The gate is there at front first. The gate is multifaceted in color because it grabs your attention. As soon as you move past the gate, you see the, bra uh, the brazen altar, which there is being made sacrifice. It speaks of consecration. It speaks of redemption. Past the brazen altar, we then go to the laver. The laver is a sanctifier. The word there is like a mirror. It looks back at you where you can see yourself as you really are. Once you move past the labor, you get to the holy place. Then past the holy place is the most holy place. But in the holy place now, the door there is smaller than the gate, showing us that closer you get to God, the gate gets narrow. And few that be there find it according to the New Testament. But praise be to God, there are some that find it. Amen. As you move in the holy place, there are three pieces of furniture. You have the lampstand that would be over here to your left. Then you also have the table of showbread. But right before you, there is a veil. There is a three to four inch veil that separates the, the holy place to the most holy place. As you move past the fire of the altar, you move past the labor. Next, you see this, this curtain there that represents the holy place. I spoke to you about the lampstand. We talked the last time about the showbread, which speaks of fellowship with God. Now, tonight, we're going to speak about this golden altar of incense. Somebody say amen. amen. Now stay with me, and let me set this up, and then I'm going to show you a few things in the New Testament. At here, right at the most holy place, stands this last piece of furniture. It's a little bigger than the other furniture. It does not have four rings, but two rings. And it has horns, also as a brazen altar there, and that's for a reason. At the top of this, there's some horns. It's located right there for a reason. It's the last piece of furniture before you go into the most holy place. At this golden altar, this is where intercession is made. Listen to me. This is the important part of prayer. This is where prayer is made daily. This is where prayer is called out to a holy God who we desire to have fellowship with. Communion there and ministry with God is here at the golden altar of incense. This is a place though as we pray we understand that there is still one more barrier. There's a curtain there that keeps man from God. Why brother Nolan? Because of sin. Sin always separates man from God. So even though you're at the golden altar of incense, incense is going up as a smoke billowing to God. Prayers are being made by the priests. Intercession is being made. You can never forget, though, that there is still a barrier between me and God. This veil, there is not a it, but it is a, hue, a who, according to the New Testament. It represents Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews 10, 19 through 20. It says, through his veil, that is, his flesh, the veil represents that I cannot go any further with God or to God unless I go through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It stands there in the Old Testament as a beacon foreshadowing to the new to let everyone know you cannot get to God the Father unless you go through God the Son. Every billow of smoke every intercessory prayer, every prayer being made to God to get to the most holy place, it's gotta pass through the veil. I'm thankful tonight that through Jesus Christ, I have been redeemed 
reconciled, reunited back with God the Father. My sins have been passed away, and behold, he's made all things new tonight. Can you give God a hand clap of praise for that? At this place, there's also before us, we understand the ark in the most holy place, or I should say the mercy seat. That's where God is sitting on a blood-stained throne of mercy. It is through our prayers at this point that billow through the veil that is where God meets with us. This prayer is empowered by our identity, which is this, that we can only travel in a vehicle that is the death of Jesus Christ. This golden altar of incense is the bridge. Joy, it's the bridge that allows us to go from outside to inside. It's the bridge in our prayer life from this world to the next world. See, sometimes when you pray, it doesn't feel right. Intercessory prayer, it doesn't feel right. You think nothing is going on, but you hear me tonight. It is the bridge that gets us from here to there and allows God to minister on our behalf. Stay with me, please. The holy place of prayer, it belongs really more in heaven, but somehow, some way, God in his deity says, this will be the vehicle that you're gonna reach me at this time twice a day. Morning and evening, the altar there, the, the coals are brought from the brazen, it's brought there, and the fuel of spices, of incense that is stored in the table of showbread, they're placed there, part of the fire, on the fire, and the incense, the spices that unite with the fire on the altar, there comes this fragrance, there comes this aroma, and it fills all the house therein, day and night. Just like the brazen altar, just like the brass altar. Here, I want you to get the picture. Can we go back to the tabernacle? I want to show you something. I want to get this picture. As you went through the gate and you went to the place of consecration, see that smoke coming out that tabernacle over there? As you get closer to God, think about this. In the morning and the night, there's sacrifice being made on the first altar. And now there's not sacrifice, but a fire not only on the first altar, but there's a fire also on the second altar. Get this, you cannot have the second fire without the first fire. I'm telling you, I feel God in this house tonight. See, that second fire is powerful. That second fire speaks of communion. That second fire, as we showed you that the golden altar a while ago, it speaks of the place of prayer and communion with God. But listen to me, you cannot get there until you first go by the first altar. The first altar is bloody. It speaks of consecration. It speaks of sacrificing the lamb that was laid upon that altar. It has four horns that represent the judgment of God. Not only that the judgment will go out, but the horns will pull back the judgment because when Jesus Christ was slain, there is no condemnation anymore for those that are in Christ Jesus. I want to go to the second altar. I will let incense bellow out and come up before God. I want my prayers and my intercession, but you hear me, saints, tonight. For me to get there, I first got to go to the first altar. And when I go by the first altar, even though it's ugly and it's bloody because it speaks of redemption, at that time in the morning, smoke is being raised there. And also inside the holy place, smoke is being raised there. And when those two come together, it gives us direct access to the holy God. But to get there, I've got to go by the first one first. 
So you can't, you can't go another way. You, you can't go and do another thing. You can't be like those who offer strange fire to have communion with God. You've got to go by his way. Can somebody say amen? amen. I'll, I'll come back to that in a few moments. Look to your neighbor and say he's teaching tonight. That, let, let me stay there just a little bit. Let, 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 me, let me just pull a little more. That first altar of brass, it represents labor and meat. It was offered up as offering the grain offering, the meat offering, the sacrificial altar. But the golden altar, altar, excuse me, it's not about labor. It's not what you labor for and sacrifice for. It's about intimacy and prayer. It's about prayer at this altar that is sweet, a sweet adoration. And it comes up as a desire of aroma before God. And I'll prove it to you. It's like the lady in the New Testament who broke the alabaster, alabaster box and that aroma filled all the house. This is not not about the labor of man, but intimacy with the Holy God. Not only does it stay there as both, both altars, but it gives us a vertical praise. Since it was right in front of the veil, it means it is the highest point of worship. It is the highest point of intimacy and worship with God. It's as close as the priest could get to God's glory, except for the priest on the Day of Atonement who would make sacrifice. This is about God. It is a vertical praise. Smoke rises up to him. This is not about us now. It's about intimacy for later. The closer you get to the most holy place, the more it becomes about God and less about you. See, at the first altar, it's about you. It's about God dying for your sins. Somebody say amen tonight. Draw us about consecration. It's about you having access to God. You can't get any further till you first go by the cross. But once you have been redeemed, it's not just about you anymore. Watch what we've done in worship. The golden altar of incense is about worship, getting closer to God. It, it, it's gotta be like John the Baptist. I've gotta decrease so he can increase. It's not about your show. It's not about how good you can see. Watch how we preach now. Five steps to a blessing. 10 steps to a good life. I, I gotta get my fix. I gotta get my praise on. I, he, Pastor Noel's not feeding me enough. I gotta get, it's about me. Bless me, touch me, kiss me, hold me. God, oh, it's all, no, no, no. The closer you get to God, it's less about you and more about God. It's not all about your wishes and your ways and your desires. This narcissistic worship that we have created in the modern day church, where church is all about us, how dare him preach that? I don't like when he preaches that. I wish he would preach on grace and, and not re, uh, judgment. I, reach he, I wish he would preach on prosperity and not sacrifice, not understanding that all of that is biblical, but it must be balanced. See, we made this narcissistic worship where we made it all about us. We think that God is bound by our goodness and we think God is bound because we have said we love him, but we must understand that every good thing that we have is because of God's grace, God's love, and of God's mercy. And as you get closer and you make this sacrifice of praise, as incense is going up before God, you begin to understand God, woe is me. I don't deserve anything. God, I'm just thankful that I'm saved. I know it's not popular preaching. I know some even call it 
They call it old-fashioned preaching because they feel like I'm allowing you to forfeit all that God has promised. No, no, no. I want you to have all that God has promised you, but I don't want you to twist scriptures that are wrapped up in a selfish agenda to satisfy the thirst of your flesh. When you were a child, you thought as a child. Your early prayer life was this. God, do this. Deliver me. Touch me. Bless me. God, give me a car. Be like Oprah, God. Be like the genie in the bottle. Let me rub you on Sunday morning and give me what I want. I want Anthony's job. I want her husband. I want his wife. I want their car. I want their bank account. Oh, find me a preacher that will make the gospel about me. But I come to let somebody know tonight, the closer I get to God, God, I don't deserve anything. But I've come to let somebody know he's been good to me. It's not what I've done, it's what he's done. It's by his mercy, his love, and also his grace. This altar begins to change that. We're getting closer to the presence of God. He doesn't stand alone though. Remember where we come from. The gate was the initial praise. The first altar was sacrifice. It spoke of surrender, of yielding, offering for sin. Then the labor was about cleansing personal desire and need for personal holiness. Then was the lampstand that spoke of fruit and fire and the balance of the word and of the spirit. Then was the table that I loved. It spoke of the feeding and the fellowship and the hunger for God and his word. Now tonight, we take that next step of fire and altar. We light the golden altar tonight. We get the light coals from the brazen altar. We take it now. We place it on the golden censer. You go back and pull up one of those, one of those for me, please. Let me walk that down. Tiffany's doing a good job, isn't she? As now we place it upon the golden censer, we must understand that you cannot get fire any other place and only a certain incense was accepted. Nadab and Abihu, the Old Testament sons of Aaron, Brother Joe, they brought before the Lord a strange fire that they kindled on their own and the Bible said that they were rejected. Fire for the brazen altar is only accepted. The fire to light the flame of worship must come from the first place of sacrifice. In number 16, Cor and company tried to do the same thing and offer strange fire and they were rejected as well. Fire from the brazen altar represents the crucified one that gains us entrance into the presence of God. Personally, listen, it is a fire of the crucified life that lights the fire of true worship. As I get closer to God and I stand at the veil, I realize tonight, Victoria, all that I am and all that I have is because he laid down his life for me. You can enjoy preaching for a while, but then you'll get tired as a pastor. You can enjoy teaching Sunday school for a while, then you'll get burned out if you're not careful. You can do the work of the church and the Lord for a while, and if you're not careful, you're like a lot of pastors, it becomes a paycheck. And when it becomes a paycheck, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because then sin becomes easy. Then you justify it. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching to somebody tonight. And as you get there, you realize you see the flaws of the church. You see the flaws of the minister because they're human. And you drift from that first initial love of Jesus, first altar, and you didn't grow. You didn't get sanctified. You didn't get in the Word. You didn't have that communion time with God. You didn't pray and seek the Lord. And now something's going on. You're bitter. You don't want to go to God's house. You're rejecting God. And if you're not careful, listen to me. If you're not careful tonight, 
you forget the reason why you're making worship. But if you go back to the first altar and take the fire from the day that you got saved, where you didn't pray like this, God, I've been coming longer than Neil. God, I've been doing this longer than Brother Joe. I, I, I sing better than Lacey. I got, and why? Are, no, see, see, now you're comparing yourselves. You're getting fleshly because when you first got saved, that first fire was like this, God. I thank God that I didn't get drunk last night. And I thank God that I didn't put a needle in my horn. And God, I don't know what they're singing. It might be Southern Gospel, New School, Bethel Worship. I don't know. But God, I just know this. I want to praise you. Because I'm glad that you saved my soul from hell. And I don't know what Anthony's doing. I can't tell you what Tiffany's doing. I don't know what Pastor Nola's doing tonight. But I know this. I was on my way to hell last night. But tonight, I'm on my way to heaven. And I just come by to praise you. Nobody else may not praise you. But I come to praise you tonight. That's the fire of worship. God's in this house tonight. Stay with me, church. I've got 15 minutes. Somebody, are you glad you're in God's house tonight? This fire is lit now at this altar from the first. And when that fire is about the crucified one, there begins an aroma in the house. When that spiritual death is lit, that, that sacrifice that Jesus made, we can start our own fire now, but it won't last. But if we build on that original fire, it'll quench every thirst we have. And then it will begin to fill the house. Have you ever heard somebody testify about some saint of God and say, I don't know what happens. But when they walk in the room, something changes. Oh, I know what happens. It's that aroma that fills their life. And people know that something's different about them. They don't have to tell anybody. They don't have to give out their church card and say that I'm Reverend, Bishop, Apostle. Can I tell you something? Can I be very transparent? At 20, I wanted every title possible. You know, you're a young preacher. You want to be the first bishop, apostle, reverend, sanctifier, holy one of 415 Deaton Road. Amen? But now, the closer I get to God or try to, I don't want a title. Take them all away. Because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I'd have fell by the wayside. But he's been good to me. See, I must decrease. As he increases as I get closer, I feel him tonight. This fire is offered up. And it's offered up at the place of intercession and prayer. But it's offered up because of the first sacrifice. And when that first sacrifice is made, it lights the house. You realize that once a year this altar is sanctified, by what? By the blood of the first. Once a year, they would take the blood and drip it on the horns of the golden altar of incense. Why? To sanctify it fully. Why? Because it lets you and I know to go deeper in God, to have intercession with God, to go to those places where David told Michael, you haven't seen nothing yet. How do I do that? Go to those places where Hannah birthed the child where she once was buried. It happens because we've been saved by the blood and we've made our way now to the presence of Almighty God. Let me break down what happens. At this place, the incense, I, I've got to give you this. The incense is made really of four ingredients. Frankincense sometimes is not called an ingredient, but it is to me. So I'll break this down. First, it's what's called stacked. It came from a myrrh tree growing on the hills of Mount Gilead. The incense upon this altar, first thing was stacked. 
It's cut deep from a bark and it will flow spontaneously and genuinely. Its word means to drop or to distill or to, to drip. The second is called anka or ancho. It comes from a sweet smelling shellfish that comes from the depths of the Red Sea. Last incense there mixed with frankincense is galbanum. It comes from a, ju a juice of a shrub from the high country of Syria. You would break the limb there and crush it and there you get this juice. They would take these three ingredients, mix it together with frankincense. Frankincense has come meaning pure, sweet, and holy or uh, aroma from that sweetness. Mix it with salt to preserve it and there would be the incense. No other incense could be made. Are you listening tonight? It represents worship. It comes from an incense that's spontaneous. If I have to beg you to worship, it's not worship. Are you listening? If I have to remind you where he brought you from, then you have come very far. Not only is it spontaneous, it comes from the depths of our core being. Worship from your lips is not much. I've seen sinners on bar stools sing Amazing Grace. Lip service, Jesus said in Matthew 15, your lips are there, but your heart is far from me. Not only does it come from the depths of your, uh, your being, like the last one, Galbanum, it comes from humility, that comes from brokenness, because you know that you didn't do it but God, so when you take this spontaneous worship, and you mix it together from the core being of your soul, and you realize it came from your brokenness of where God's brought you from, you mix it with that sweet smell of frankincense, preserved in salt because you know that that you committed to Jesus, he's able to keep against that day. When you take that and you put it on the fire of salvation, let me tell you, you've got the purest form of worship. That's what the golden altar of incense is all about. By doing that, it gives the analogy of sacrificial giving from a sacrificial life that gives off a fragrance that is pleasing to God. The incense has a fragrance only because it connects with a fire, no fire, no fragrance. Cannot have, have it any other way. You smell tonight beautiful because God has saved you. You go out minister as we will this Sunday night, not because we want to be recognized by Wahala, but because we realize I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a part of my worship. Somebody say amen tonight. I want to take you to a couple places. Will you pull up John 12 for me, please? Is this okay tonight? I want her to pull up John 12, and then I want to go to Hebrews 9. No, I want to go to Luke 1, then Hebrews 9. And I'm going to do that within 10 minutes. How many of you believe I can do that tonight? Wow, I feel, I feel your support. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> if you're visiting with us, if I seem a little passionate, that's because I am tonight. God's been good to me. Let's go to John 12. The Bible says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here at dinner, given in his honor, Martha served, and Lazarus among those reclining at the table. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. 
One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? If he wanted to give money to the poor, he could have gave 30 pieces of silver to the poor. But God knows the heart of man. Amen? He says it's worth more than a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. That's what Scripture says. Verse 7, Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not have always me. And then he begins to talk about how this would last as a memorial. When you know that God saved you, and that fire sits in your life, you take all that you have in your worship, and you break it on Jesus Christ. And don't miss the part where it says, and the aroma. I've shared this before, but it's flooded my soul tonight. Came to South Carolina. Lady walks in the church, raised in the church. She has a bad reputation. She's a brother Charles, she is a prostitute of the town. She walks in, makes her way to an altar, and God saves her. We didn't know at the time she had a disease in her body that would take her life within a year. God saved her. Some men, no doubt, felt uncomfortable in the church. They should have. God help them. She began to worship. She began to dance. One old church person said, Preacher, are you going to stop that? No, I'm not going to stop that. You mean, you're going to let her, that, that, that woman, she, she doesn't know what we know yet. She may not be dressed just right yet. No, you're right. You're right. You're going to let her testify. She may say some things. You're right. She's probably not, not as sanctified as you are. But do you smell what I smell? Because if you sense and see what I see, I see a woman who was bound last night, who I preached Sunday morning, who was a slave of the house. A slave can be in the house, as I told you Sunday morning, but sooner or later a slave will be cast out in the street. But Ashton is a son of the house. Where Russell can visit, Russell's got to go home, as I told you Sunday, but Ashton can take off his shoes and take off his shirt and eat my popsicles and stay in the house. See, that lady, but last night she was a slave of the house. But tonight, she's a daughter of the house. And I can't help if you cannot see it. And I can't help if you're so callous in your spiritual mindset that you cannot smell it. But let me tell you what I smell. I smell redemption and reconciliation. I see chains falling and chains broken and that aroma fills the house. Go to Luke 1. Let's take it another step further. I, I want to I speak to a mama who's praying for a lost child tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost. Whew. I want to pray for somebody tonight who you feel in a desperate mode. Let's go to Luke 1. Are you with me? Let's go to verse 8. Oh, wow, I love the Word of God. Mm. Verse 8 of Luke 1. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. Watch this. He was chosen by lot, by chance. Nothing just happens according to the custom of what? The priesthood. To go in the temple of the Lord and to do what? Come on, somebody, say it loud. 
Oh, God's doing something here. All the assembled worshipers were what? On the, yes, yes, something happens from one altar to the next. We're worshiping. There's praise. There's sacrifice. There's blood. There's covenant. There's redemption, reconciliation. I'm getting closer to God. This man, this woman's praying. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. The angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink and it goes on and on and it tells of John and it speaks of what was to happen about this forerunner. There at the place of incense, I worship being lifted up, a prayer and intercession, God steps in and says to him, Zachariah, I know you think it's my chance. I heard you. I come to let somebody know tonight, not only at the place of redemption, but as you get closer here, as it represents Jesus Christ, I want to push you to go back to your prayer closet. I want to push you tonight to go back to your place of worship. I'm not talking about church worship. Sunday morning, they're going to pack out this choir, young people, our college career. You're going to be blessed by your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. Laura Willis will be leading your grandchildren. They have been working. You're going to see the fruit of Chris and Whitney. They're going to bless you. That's great, but that's not what I'm just speaking about tonight. I'm talking about your private prayer closet. I'm talking about that place where you go when nobody's looking. And you're like Zachariah. You go in there. Maybe you're just doing it out of duty. Maybe your husband looks over to you and Charles tells Denise, I, I don't feel like praying tonight. Baby, you got to go pray. Whatever, whatever's going on, you go back in there, you let incense come. I'm not talking about incense that you buy at the store. I'm talking about you mixing that deep down hurt, that deep down brokenness. You mix it as spontaneous. You're not reading some prayer that somebody put on Facebook. Send it to 35 people and you'll be blessed. We'll fall for that stuff, but we'll bypass the Word of God who calls us into a place of prayer. I'm talking about getting the Word of God. Your God's not a chance God. Your God is not this God of voodoo that you've got to touch this and do that, pin steps. No, He says if you come and call on me, I will answer you and show you things that you know not. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. I know you're broken. I know you're saying, Pastor, you're pushing me hard. And I, yes, I am. I'm telling somebody tonight, go back to your prayer closet. Go back alone. Walk your street. Drive in a car if it's the way you pray. But go back and let this be an aroma that comes up into the nostrils of God. Zechariah, I know you're making this. this. But I'm hearing your prayer. And I want you to know you're going to have a child. Somebody tonight, God's hearing your prayer. Oh. Dot, can I pray with you before the service is over? Would you allow that? I pray that every part of your house is filled with the joy of the Lord.
every memory you have and it's filled with the joy of the Lord. Go with me to Hebrews, please. You okay tonight? Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. He's good to me. I told you my best praise that I give to God is not wrapped up in theology. I don't tell God that I'm a bishop in the church of God or my number's this. No, Victoria, my best praise is when I go to God by myself and I say, I'm Neil Nolan. And I just want to say, God, you've been good to me. Jimmy don't sound like much, but it's my highest praise. I don't need nobody to tell me where I've come from. I know where I've come from. God's not impressed with my words or my ideology, but a heart that is broken before him. Verse 2. Hebrews 9. A tabernacle was set up. Remember where we're at now. Hebrews. Two thoughts in Hebrews. One, to continue moving forward. Don't quit the hard season. And two, listen. And two, Christ fulfills and is better than anything and everything. That's it. That's Hebrews. Better than angels. Better than philosophy. Better than riches. Better than money. Christ is better. Say amen, right? Watch this. Better than the old tabernacle but a fulfillment of the old tabernacle. Maybe better is not the right word, maybe fulfillment, but yes, better in sense than incompletion. A tabernacle was set up in his first room, listen, where the lampstand and the table with his consecrated bread, this was called what? And the King James, uh, the holy place, same thing. Are you with me? Verse three. Behind the second curtain was a room called the what? Holiest of all or the most holy place. But get the next verse. Which had what? The golden censer and the ark of the covenant. Which had the golden altar of incense. That's not what the Old Testament said, did it? Where was the golden altar of incense? Terry, you a scholar. Where was it at? It was in the front of the veil. But if I'm reading this right, I'm not saying I am, but if I'm reading this right, Terry, you're a scholar, has it now moved, it seems, by the word? Can I just give you just a little Neil Nolan here? When Jesus came, at the moment that the priest was about to make sacrifice, there, uh, there was another sacrifice being made. And while he's laying blood on one altar, the high priest is laying blood on another altar. And when that blood is laid on that altar, and the horns have been satisfied on the first altar, now sanctified on the second altar, are you listening? Now when that is accepted by Jehovah, God, when that is accepted up there, could you imagine that priest about to go in, and all of a sudden, Four inches thick. Man can hardly pull it apart and it begins to tear in two. Holy place. Most holy place. You can't go, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go. None of us, none of us. One of us can go, one of us can go, one of us. One of us can go make sacrifice and he better have his life right. If not, we'll pull him out and bury him and send somebody else. But something happens. That sacrifice is made up there. It begins to tear that place of separation. 
And when that place of separation is torn, you know what it does now? Now the Gentile, the lady that was a prostitute, can step up to the altar and say, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I'm nobody. I'm a drug addict, but I feel him. You saved me? Oh, you don't have to buy it. You can't pay somebody after they die. No, no, no. But you can come boldly to the throne of grace. I, Ronnie Finley, can come boldly. Neil Nolan can come boldly. Boldly to the throne of grace. Wherefore, I can obtain mercy. And now, listen, when that is done, I don't have to have communion outside of God. I can have common union now with God. He walks with me. The little Baptist church I grew up in used to sing this. He walks with me. He talks with me along the narrow way. Because he lives, it seems true today. He has fellowship with me. Would you stand with me tonight as I close? He's not exiled. I'm not standing behind a veil. I'm not standing behind a curtain. I'm standing in the presence of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. I pray tonight. I pray tonight that this word has touched you. I took a lot of studying and I condensed it to 30 minutes. I pray I didn't move too much to lose you. But I pray you see my heart tonight. Every one of us now can have fellowship with him. He's the Emmaus road to somebody. He's telling somebody tonight, it's going to be okay. To another Zacchaeus tonight, he's letting you know, I'll dwell in your house. I know nobody else won't go to your house because you're a thief. I'll go to your house. That's who he is tonight. He's your God. Why don't you have fellowship with him? You may not hear his audible voice. In the old church, we used to like to get chill bumps. Anybody remember the old goosebumps? Amen. You look to your neighbor and say, I feel him. He's in the house. It may not always be like that. Tony, sometimes it could be. Sometimes it could be just a simple prayer. It could be a sunrise over a deer stand. It could be a sinner coming home on Sunday morning. Whatever it is. I want you to know tonight you could go there. He loves you and longs to have fellowship with you. First thing I told you when we started the series, since Genesis, God is trying to have fellowship with his people. That's what this is about. Doc, would you come here, please? I want to pray with you. Doc, I'll dismiss you. Just stay right there. Anthony, help me, please. Amen. Father, tonight, I pray. Would you stretch your hand this way? I pray for my sister tonight, God. I just want to encourage her. What a blessing she is to me and my family at this church. She's went through one of the hardest seasons that I've ever seen anybody walk through. But she is faithful. I got her home tonight. And that was my specific thought when you propped my heart. That in her home tonight, that it would be a place of praise. There'd be no spirit of heaviness 
but she put on that garment of praise that the aroma would fill that house. And that when people come there, they would know that she has been in the presence of Almighty God. And when they ask, how can she make it? They know already it was God who was on her side. Let it be so in Jesus' name. The Spirit of God, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. It's good to have you back with us. Some are traveling Sunday on their jobs. Some grandchildren were getting married at the beach. Good to have everybody home with us. Good to have a new family with us. Some of our camping friends are with us tonight. Greet your neighbor before you leave. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them it was good to be in God's house. And we will see you Sunday morning. God bless you.